0: Hello and welcome to Mashmouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970 sitcom, Mash. I'm Ethan.
1: And I'm Vanessa.
0: Vanessa, today's episode, Radar uh, gets a little meta. He uh, He talks about how one day he's going to write a novel about the war and he's going to include a character that he was not very fond of in this episode, <laughs> in the novel, and as we know, MASH was originally a novel, which was turned into a film and then turned into a TV show. But we recently made the revelation that there are, like, 12 MASH books in existence, and I just wanted to get your take on this. Did you know that these (laughs) existed?
1: So, I have to say, like, I was aware of the subsequent MASH books, like, a few of them. I was definitely aware that there was more than one, and... I knew that they really didn't have any impact on like the movie or the TV show, so I kind of erased them from my brain. But I came to find out <laughs> that there has like seven or eight of them. It's it's insane. And I want to read every single one.
0: They all have like wacky titles. They're all like MASH goes to main. MASH goes to Vegas. MASH goes here. MASH goes there. I'm like, what is the plot of these books? Is it the characters (laughs) from the original MASH book who were based off of real people just in another mobile army unit going around America and having wacky times? I, I need to find out.
1: It feels almost like this was what Trapper John MD was like offshooting, you know? Because Ugh. I know at least for Mash goes to Maine that it is like Hawkeye and Trapper and Duke, I think, actually. Which... There's
0: not really in the TV show.
1: Yeah, we only had him in the movie and the book. But like I'm pretty sure it's most of the most of like the main swamp guys in just wacky medical situations outside of the army. So like these books are fully like comedy books i'm pretty sure they're like funny so i am definitely going to try to find them i'm going to read them because like when i found this out i was like wow I need every single one of these in paperback, physical copies.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, we'll hunt them down. We'll get them to you. And we will uh, potentially talk about them all on this show. That that will be truly a deep dive. And I, I just have to mention before we move on, unless you have something to say.
1: I just wanted to say if any of our listeners have read them or know where I can find them, please let me know because I'm really curious. And I don't know if they're on Amazon. I haven't checked yet, but... I really want to know, because they're certainly not at my
0: local Barnes & Noble. (laughs) Just real quick, before we move on from this topic, I have to, like, talk about how it's so strange that these were all released from, like, 1976 to 1978. Like, in the span of two years, Richard Hooker and a co-writer, who I'm, uh, I'm blanking on the name of right now, just went hog wild and turned his one autobiographical, like, funny book about his time in Korea into this goofball series. And honestly, respect that. You got to you gotta get the dollar somewhere.
1: Yeah, 100%. It was, hey, listen, his family will still be making royalties off of me when I buy them. So there we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So moving on from that, let's talk about this episode. In this episode, Bombed, the 4077 is getting shelled by American forces. The latrine blows up with Henry inside, and Trapper and Margaret get stuck in the supply tent. Vanessa, what did you think of this episode?
1: I liked this episode. It comes and goes in this series with shelling and the camp, and this definitely wasn't the first time the camp experienced shelling, Mm -hmm. right? It seemed like one of the more central plot lines of the episode though if i remember i don't remember exactly when we've seen shelling last but we haven't seen it in a while and it felt more central to the plot line in this episode than it had in previous ones and i really enjoyed this episode i didn't think that a lot of it stood out to me but it is one that i remember watching as a kid and enjoying as well
0: yes Um, shelling has been a plot before, but in the previous episode, if I can remember correctly, where it was kind of a focal point and not just something happening in the background, Mm -hmm. the previous plot was that a bomb was unexploded and landed on the camp, but otherwise the shelling kind of stopped. This time, it's shelling throughout the entire episode and i thought that was really interesting and the pyrotechnics of this episode were really cool and i imagine this was the only show on at the time that had to have an explosives budget like i don't think any other 70 sitcom <laughs> was really uh pulling out all the stops like this one did cuz there are some good explosions in this one and it felt really kind of high stakes like uh I think one thing that sets MASH apart from comedy TV shows, even today, is that there is the sense that, like, the characters can die at, like, any time. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. they're not going to. It's It's a sitcom, and you're not going to blow up your cast in season three, episode 14. But more so than any other show I've seen... It's like, okay, they're really committed to the idea that this is a dangerous situation, and sometimes the the comedy comes from them trying to just deal with the fact that they are kind of on a lifeline here. If one shell hits in the wrong place, they're going out.
1: Yeah, it adds stakes to the show that I just don't feel like a lot of other shows had. Um, I feel like with a lot of sitcoms, Even now, you know, there's drama in it, like there's a drama aspect or like whatever is driving the plot forward, like whatever, you know, issue the characters are having. But this one, it was such high stakes, you know, literally life or death situations that these characters were in. So I do think that that, like, I agree with you, that does set MASH apart from a lot of shows back then and a lot of shows now, too, because you don't Mm -hmm. really like have a lot of comedy shows with situations that have as high of stakes as these characters are in. You know, there's not really like war zone comedy shows really anymore, or yeah. like, you know, even really like after MASH in general.
0: I uh the closest comparison that I can think of off the top of my head, and that's that's not even true. I've kind of been thinking about this all day, is that Brooklyn Nine Nine, which you know is a cop comedy show, would occasionally have like characters deal with standoffs and like hostage situations. Mm-hmm. But those were always handled like very few and far between, where there is one episode where, where a character's like in a hostage situation and it's entirely off screen and it's like the episodes about everyone else dealing with the fact that they're scared for this character. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't like an episode where you're like, oh no, our favorite comedy police squad might just all die in this this <laughs> crime related incident. Um, but like Mash, they're just committed completely to the idea that like, yeah, this is a war. they could die and we're gonna tell some funny stories about uh that.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think that that just like kind of gets to the crux of MASH. You know, they always wanted to tell the story of more in the most real sense that they could uh, while still being a comedy show and having it be entertaining. So yeah, I think that that is achieved in this in this uh, episode in particular. And then this conversation will remain relevant at the end of the season as well. That's that's all I'll go into for that.
0: Yes, it will. That uh I was thinking about the end of the season in this episode a mm-hmm. little bit in places. We'll we'll get to that. But yeah. right now let's go a little bit through the motions of this. So, this episode starts off with Radar um trying to get a hold of someone who can handle the shelling. He he tells them like they're being shelled. And this guy doesn't believe him at first, which is kind <laughs> of like ridiculous. He he tries to even throw the phone out the window and the phone gets blown up. And then this is kind of revealed later on in the episode, but I feel like it's better to talk about it now. They do establish that this is friendly fire. And the only reason that they're being shelled and no one's stopping it is because everyone's at the Bob Hope show, which runs throughout <laughs> the entire episode. So... I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because it felt like pretty clear commentary to me.
1: (laughs) I agree that this was pretty clear commentary. And one thing that I liked about this episode is that it kind of got back to the basics of M.A.S.H., you know what I mean? Of uh, having that type of commentary in there. I think that having the guy in the beginning say, oh, yeah, no, you're not getting shelled. That was very quintessential mash commentary and then having it be friendly fire and having bob hope be performing i thought was really interesting because like i said it was just very quintessential mash commentary of like hey yeah we're literally getting hit by american friendly fire and then this guy who is not Part of the army is coming to perform for American soldiers, while other American soldiers are being like bombed by Americans. It was just so like on the nose.
0: Every time they do something like this, I'm like, oh man, that must have been kind of risky for uh, to air at the time. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that we talk about this a lot. We we don't have like the context of what it was like growing up in the '70s and like what exactly the the political landscape. Was, but I imagine that there was a strong group of american viewers who maybe were not happy that the show very openly was like yeah the american military kind of silly sometimes aren't they (laughs) they don't really always know what they're doing and it's always like played with a pretty deft hand i feel like they always kind of know where the line is
1: yeah that's the thing that's the beauty of mash i feel and this just goes to the creativity and the intelligence i guess of the writers that They played it so subtly that if you're looking for it, you know, you can see it, but also you can kind of take a step back from it and say, oh, yeah, haha, that's just funny. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To a point where I would assume that audiences at home were maybe not looking at it as critically as we are, like for sure not looking at it as critically as we are, but that there was like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge of like, hey, if you get it, then you get what we're trying to say here.
0: Yeah, like we were talking about with the the novels in our little intro discussion, I am curious of how much the novel is anti-war and has this kind of military bureaucracy commentary, or was that something that was found in later iterations? Because just knowing all of the uh, sequels and whatnot that are like goofy medical stuff, I'm like, all right, how much was your hand on the satire mode when writing this first book, Mr. Richard Hooker. I, I do kind of want to know how the commentary evolves over time with these different iterations. So let's continue the more serious aspect of this episode with our discussion and talk about how the operating kind of goes in this one because this is where you really feel the, uh, the danger of it and mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. Uh, everybody in camp, just has to make do with what they have in this kind of dire situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. I loved the operating scene. I thrive on the chaos of mash. I really really do. Um so anytime there is like a really chaotic operating scene, I'm really all here for it. I love the medical aspect of the show because that's just that is just something that really makes it stand apart and i remember discussing this in the first season where everything that happened in mash like made so much sense that they were on a military base like it couldn't have happened outside of a military camp like like a mash unit and we kind of got back to not that not that the other stuff in this season wasn't very like Having it be on the MASH unit was kind of driving the plot, like in Adam's Ribs, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I feel like with this, of course, with the shelling, this felt like very much the uniqueness of the show being on the MASH unit. So I really enjoyed that part of it. And I loved how everyone was kind of just keeping their cool. They were trying not to freak out, mm-hmm. but they were all like kind of freaking out. Even in subtle ways, like with everyone's hands kind of shaking. I thought that that was a really interesting way to put that in there.
0: Yeah. I always like the medical scenes as well, as is pretty obvious from all of our discussions. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, this one has a real sense of like urgency to it and like you said the chaos of this thrives really well i feel like whenever they're trying to depict how much just absolute adrenaline goes into these surgery scenes and trying to stay calm under like literal fire and cutting people open i think is always depicted really well and just the arguments that everyone gets into like Mm -hmm. frank Uh, in this episode, comes across like a North Korean who needs operation and he's like racist about it and everyone's like, shut up and do your job. I like seeing that. I like how they counteract stuff like that with just do your job, Frank, come on.
1: Yeah, and this is what I mean when I said the show seemed to be getting back to basics with this episode. Like this was a very typical plot Point in a lot of the earlier episodes of the series um, with Frank, you know, like being racist and not wanting to operate on a North Korean or, you know, stuff like that. And then Hawkeye immediately kind of counteracting that by saying, okay, Frank, like if you're going to be this asshole who's not going to help this wounded person, I'll step in. And having it be just part of the larger plot instead of the whole plot I think is a testament to the show kind of moving forward and changing in that way like it still has that aspect that we had seen in prior seasons but it wasn't like the focal point of the episode as it was in a lot of the prior episodes
0: yeah it is interesting as we like move forward with the show how they still use plot lines but kind of evolve them and I know you've talked Mm -hmm. about that a lot. But you're right in in previous episodes, the idea of like having to treat a North Korean soldier would be a much bigger deal. And in this one, it's literally so throwaway, but it's it's entirely texture, you know, for the chaos. Mm
1: It's funny because I think that them treating a North Korean soldier was the entire plot of one of the episodes. Remember um, when Frank was like, yeah, we don't have beds for this guy. And they like had this whole elaborate plan to like keep him under observation and stuff like that. They moved mm-hmm. him into the swamp. So it is funny to see how it's still present because Frank is still the same person, but it's just evolved. And the story around it has evolved so much. And Okay. Funny story about this North Korean soldier that Frank refuses to operate on. So as a kid, when I was watching this episode and Frank says, oh, my God, this is a North Korean soldier. I'm not operating on this North Korean soldier. And he just, like, looked at him and knew he was a North Korean soldier. That confused me so much as a kid, because, like, <clears throat> I knew that there was no, like, ethnic difference, uh, like, visually between <laughs> um, North Koreans and South Koreans. Like, nothing <clears throat> can indicate that, like, a North Korean and a South Korean are different people because they're not. Um So I was like, how did he know that this was a North Korean fully did not know that this was Frank looking at this guy's uniform and knowing he was North Korean rather than just like looking at his face and knowing he was a North Korean. So it took me how many years to figure that out?
0: No, that's that's really funny. That's a real Ethan move right there. I feel like whenever I'm confused, it's over the dumbest things with like obvious explanations. I'm not calling you dumb. That's really funny and very relatable. Um I've definitely had moments like that. Can I tell you as an adult watching this episode, right? Mm-hmm. I was not a, a young boy or whatever. Before it started and the episode was called Bombed, I fully thought that it would be an episode about them getting drunk. You know, <laughs> getting drunk is always, like, pretty violent language. You get wasted, mm-hmm. you get bombed, you get annihilated. I I completely forgot that, like, bombs exist in this show and could be, like, a plot point. <laughs> so if you ever think you were dumb... Just think about no. me being dumb.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. But I think that's a, also a testament to how kind of... I don't want to say soft this season was, but just how different it was from the previous two seasons Um, in terms of the middle of the season kind of being less preoccupied with the war, I would say. Mm-hmm. The fact that you, like, forgot that they were in a war zone <laughs> at times, Um, that I think <laughs> is... I think really does say a lot about this season and not that it's yeah. bad but just that it's different.
0: We've had a few storylines that like were explicitly war-based like a few military guys came in and like there's Rainbow Bridge obviously I feel like that was mm-hmm. the big mm-hmm. like military episode but mostly it's been like dealing with patients who you know, obviously are injured and or trying to evade various things about war. We had the episode where the guy had like physical uh, trauma from like his memories of it. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But otherwise, the war story hasn't really invaded camp too much. So I do understand where you're coming from, at least in the last couple that we've watched. I'm sure Mm -hmm. if you're, if you are a listener like binging our show right now and listening to them all back to back, you're like, well, there was just the military episode, like a couple episodes ago, but like that for us, that was a good few weeks ago. So you're gonna have to give us like a mulligan <laughs> on that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that it um it's hard to tell because I'm sure that if you binge the show, it feels like you know oh there's war stories all the time and like of course they do, but I feel like we're watching it (laughs) as God intended um (laughs) week to week almost (laughs) like we're not at uh, I don't know why I'm like going into like our recording process, but at the moment we're not binging the episodes and recording like three at once like we were, and so this feels very much like almost slow going so this military episode feels very fresh coming off of all the previous yeah. episodes that we had seen um so anyway moving on from that topic of how we record mashmouth I wanted to talk about these next two scenes together because they were very funny to me oh first before sorry I know that we just said we were moving on but let me just say that there is a nurse and she's supposed to be from I, I don't i don't even know she's like a spanish-speaking country which i looked up by the way and the spanish-speaking country that they said that she was from did not actually send troops into the korean war so like where why um <laughs> anyway so she was so annoying and i felt really bad because she was just screeching the entire time, and yeah. I felt terrible for her. I felt so bad that she was like so scared and like fair, valid, completely valid. But her screaming, I was like, "Girl, stop!"
0: <laughs> yeah, you're uh, you're on a military base. You gotta get used to it. Um, <laughs> but her her line about booby traps was really funny. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll admit that. Um. Because I think this is what we're moving on to, right? The uh, the guy with the grenade attached to him, and he's like booby trapped.
1: Well, before we get into that, she was introduced in this initial scene as well, um, where she is screaming every time that there's a bomb going off. And like I said, not judging her for that, but <laughs> in the episode, <laughs> in the episode, she just kept screaming. I was like, oh my yeah. god, this is like getting so annoying. But anyway. Before we get to her with her line about like booby traps and stuff, which was funny, I do agree. Let's talk about the latrine exploding
0: <laughs> with Henry yeah. inside of it. That was kind of uh out of nowhere, I thought, like mm, uh mm-hmm. it's just like, oh Henry, I gotta go to the bathroom. Uh keep like hold down the Ford for me. And then a radar comes in being like, the latrine was bombed. We don't know if Henry's alive or dead. It was like, my <laughs> god, that is that's, like, such a ramp up. And, you know, not to get super into future episodes, but, like, knowing future episodes, I was like, oh, my God, is that foreshadowing?
1: Yeah. No, it's so interesting. Like, I want to have that conversation with you when we get to the ep- I don't know why we're dancing around it. I'm sure that everybody who listens knows what we're talking about, but we'll dance around it still. Um, I want to have this discussion with you further in future episodes because... The fact that you are seeing a lot of these for the first time, knowing what's going to happen, like I never picked up on this like morbid foreshadowing with Henry's character. And that's so, so interesting. So we'll, we'll put a pin in that. Like I keep saying, we'll put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. But I have to say it was very funny seeing Klinger pull henry out of this hole in the ground in a dress and heels and like in a military hat it was (laughs) such a beautiful piece of visual comedy
0: (laughs) yeah i mean maybe the worst way you could ever go out is on a porta potty um just under any (laughs) circumstance if you they have to pull your dead body out of there or you know whatever you pull your living body out of there it's just not where you want to be And I also thought that uh, Mulcahy was the funniest he's, like, (laughs) been in a long time with this, like, uh, slightly dazed look from him. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, explaining apple pie and how his sister (laughs) learned it in the Girl Scouts. How he said Girl Scouts (laughs) was amazing. I love uh, William Christopher's whole, like... Indignation of how he speaks just one of the best wine reads in the show
1: (laughs) um when he was like telling the story and he was saying his mom like burst into the kitchen and said what the hell is going on in here i just like i thought that that delivery was so funny just something about (laughs) father mulcahy saying what the hell is going on here is so funny to me i loved it
0: and then he's like mother i don't think i've ever heard you swear before and like <laughs> oh man imagine living in a household where where hell is a hard swear that is a <laughs> imagine that that's a fantasy <laughs> land i don't live in <laughs>
1: I also thought it was hysterical when, um, well, first of all, it was not hysterical because Henry was out of commission. They were getting bombed and they were getting a ton of wounded and Henry, like, couldn't operate. So that was, uh, concerning. And so Henry's okay. They like set his arm because it's broken. And then he comes back into the operating room and Frank asks him a question of like, oh, is the officer's latrine really destroyed? And Henry mocks him. And it was probably <laughs> the hardest I've laughed in a week because for some reason that was just so, so
0: funny to me. That felt improv. Just the the little like little brother mimicking of that. Like, is the latrine really destroyed? <laughs> was so funny so genuine and felt so in the moment like if someone asked me that that's how i would respond like (laughs) dude i almost died going to the bathroom read the room for a second and you're like yeah "Eh, eh, eh, that's how you respond
1: (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was also so funny because frank was just being classic Frank, and he's like, oh, I can't imagine having to use the enlisted men's latrine. Like, oh my god, dude, it's a
0: hole in the ground. Like, stop it. So this leads us into the next thing that happens, is that there's a man with a grenade stuck to him, and they have to kind of figure out how to maneuver that. And Frank is like, well, this is enlisted men's duty. And I just, every time that Frank, like is like really military classist i'm like what are you doing come on like (laughs) how many times have we been through this song and dance i know that you're a tv character who's fundamentally incapable of learning a lesson (laughs) but how many times do they have to teach you the lesson of being like a good person who sees people who are lower rank than you as people i know you know It's a whole thing.
1: Speaking of that, too, because like you said, Frank says like, oh, this seems to be like a job for enlisted men. And then he also mentions, oh, but we have like a demolition expert on camp right now. And Trapper points to uh, a guy on an operating table and says, no, like this is the demolition expert. Like, clearly he's out of commission. We have to handle this ourselves. I don't know exactly like what about this scene really struck me. It just felt very real And almost like it felt comedic in a very like black comedy way of just like, yeah, Yeah. the only person who can deal with this is out of commission right now, literally being operated on as we speak. And Trapper just like pointing to him and saying that, I felt was very good like writing, very good directing in this scene. And I do have to mention also this episode was directed by High Averback, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And every time that he directs an episode, I think that it is directed so beautifully. Like I don't think that he's directed an episode that I've really disliked at all. Um, mm-hmm. so shout out to Hi Averback.
0: Yeah, we've shouted out Mr. Uh, Hi before. but you're right, every episode that he does is always kind of a, a notch above like even the times that we point out like cinematography, it's always his episodes mm-hmm. um, which is really fun to see in this kind of more traditional older uh multi cam setup of a TV show when there is like cool cinematography which occasionally the show has which is always like neat to see and mm-hmm. these explosions i imagine were quite difficult to like coordinate on a yeah. TV budget and schedule
1: yeah and speaking of explosions too this is like what happens in the scene because okay this could just be me but so hawkeye and trapper like take the grenade off of this guy and then they have to throw it out the window into the minefield Mm -hmm. and i feel like hawkeye hung on to that grenade for just like a second too long i was like (laughs) why is that still in his hand and how has it not blown up yet
0: he gives it the weakest throw that he could possibly give it in this (laughs) dire situation i was like dude Throw it a little more. I know you've played football before. I know football is canon to this TV show. You can chuck it really (laughs) far. It's a small thing.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, I was very, like, oh my god, okay, like, throw it, and just, like, just one second too long, it felt, after Trapper, like, took down the tarp on the window, I was like, Hawkeye, oh, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> very true. So, I think that, like, the major plot point in this episode was when Trapper and Margaret get stuck in the supply tent together. I, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about this, but before we get into that, I just want wanted to say I think that another thing about this episode that felt kind of different from the last few episodes was that this was a little bit more cohesive of a storyline. It didn't mm-hmm. have that traditional sitcom A and B plot that we've been seeing a lot. It was more like season 1 and season 2 where it had you know one central story with like a few offshoots so i think that that is also what made this episode kind of stand out to me as different than the other ones that we've seen but that being said the major plot point was trapper and margaret in this supply tent and i don't know about you but i really liked this but it was pretty cute
0: it was cute just real quick i do want to touch on what you just said though um, with it being more focused, I think this episode and I tried to touch on this earlier, but it's a great example of like the dramedy aspect of the show. Like mm-hmm. this is very much a drama episode with some jokes in it. Mm-hmm. And the tones like really well, like this episode is still funny and like fun to watch. It's not too high stress. But you could easily tweak this just a little bit and it would fit in like perfectly with a traditional, like hour long drama. I think the mm-hmm. storyline. I
1: agree. I agree. I 100% agree. Yeah. And I, I think that this plot with uh, Margaret and Trapper really is what brought a lot of the comedy in the episode. So I wanted to ask you like, we know that I think it's cute. What is your opinion on this whole plot?
0: So I love this a lot. I love Margaret's just consistent crush on Trapper. I love how that started in, I think, season one, like very Mm offhandedly. It's like a secret revealed. And then it's kind of blossomed into this like recurring thing that gets some development, but it's not necessarily like mutual. And it's like... I imagine if Trapper was on the show for longer, it would have developed more into like a more serious relationship because their chemistry in this one, obviously, it's under like weird circumstances, right? But I think they handled it very well. It felt very cute.
1: Yeah, I don't love the fact that Trapper is married uh, because, you know, we, we don't condone cheating here, but... I liked the idea that Margaret kind of had a crush on Trapper in the beginning too. Like that was always really cute to me. And I thought that they were like really cute together. You know Trapper was just like being really sweet to her. And I think that that is what made me think that it was really cute. Definitely don't love the fact that he's married. But putting that aside like it was just a really cute moment between these two characters. And I don't know if i should bring this up now or if i should wait until later but i guess i'll just talk about it now so in a later episode it's kind of developed that margaret has like a phobia of loud noises and so it makes so much sense that she was really upset in this episode in the supply tent because she has this like extreme phobia and it's kind of revealed in later seasons and she talks about having to like kind of keep it under wraps and stuff like that but it it makes so much sense why she was upset in the tent like this
0: that's interesting that's uh i can't wait to see the episode where they explore that phobia because that is a rough thing to have on a military Mm -hmm. base where there is shooting and bombs going off um, I really like Loretta Swift's whole performance here. Beyond, like, romantic chemistry, her just yelling voice is always so, like, cute to me. Just the way that she kind of slurs her words when she gets louder is like an interesting kind of character choice I think Mm -hmm. and the fact that her and Trapper like don't do anything was you know nice uh but there is like a mutual kind of like interest there I honestly forgot for this episode that Trapper was married so I wasn't even thinking (laughs) about that in like the back of my head but now that you mentioned that I'm like oh yeah my man has a wife and
1: Yeah, like I said, it was just more of a moment between, like, two characters that I really like. So, you know, I I don't think that it's, like, a terrible thing to find this very cute. Because it was more just this, like, vulnerability thing and this, like, sweetness between two characters. But I do have to mention that Hawkeye and frank break into the tent to get margaret and trapper out of there after like hours of not seeing them because Klinger says oh yeah i saw major Hoolahan and trapper go into the supply tent together like an hour ago and so i was sitting there thinking okay so <laughs> no one's seen them for an hour while the camp is under heavy shelling and no one thinks hmm where are trapper and margaret but also they have time to sit down and watch a movie, but not right. think about like their friends. Like, I don't, I
0: don't, I was like, come on guys, what the heck? Hey, man, there's a lot happening. It was the heat of the moment. You had no, to watch no, to that no. movie. No, no, no. See, here's the thing.
1: I thought that as well. I was like, okay, well, everyone's running around and like doing stuff, right? No. If you have time to sit down and watch
0: a movie, you have time to
1: think about where your friend is in the middle of a shelling incident at
0: your camp. It, that is That is very true. <laughs> um and then when Frank and Hawkeye find them I I thought that the evolution of Frank's like jealousy of the situation was really funny how it does escalate to Frank being like oh what if I what if I were to marry you and then like a mm-hmm. bomb goes off and he immediately tries to be like I never said that cuz he's just a little weasel of a man um
1: How funny was it when Frank is talking to Margaret in her tent afterwards and she's saying, like, nothing happened, Frank. Like, leave me alone, basically. And then he says, Margaret, I want to marry you. And then immediately a bomb goes off. (laughs) That was so
0: on the nose. Very funny. So on the nose, though. And, like, this is a classic, like, sitcom thing of, like, marry me, but I don't want to. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Something about how it's done here. Was like really really funny to me and really cute. Just the way she's immediately like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you, you dumb idiot! You said the thing you shouldn't have said." <laughs> Haha.
1: Yeah, it's literally the only thing that she's wanted the entire show, and then you just said it, dude. <laughs> but before that happened, though, did you notice that when Hawkeye and Trapper are talking in the supply tent after Margaret runs out, <laughs> that Trapper says something? and then he like continues to talk and his lips were still moving but he was completely drowned out by the bomb and then hawkeye just like responded (laughs) and i thought it was so like it was very clear he like turned towards hawkeye so you saw his lips moving very clearly and you did not hear a single word that he said. I was like, was that just me? Did I miss something? But no, it he was completely drowned out by the bomb.
0: <laughs> I mean, that that happens. You know, he, he can't always hear everything. I thought um, that,
1: that was just such an interesting choice, though, because... Before that, too, in the latrine scene, there was a very clear voiceover for Radar's line um, when they were outside. So I thought that that was just so funny that they had like two kind of like mishaps with voice things.
0: ADR, always a fun thing. Sound recording (laughs) uh, only gets better with time, and they were doing it in the 70s. So, like, give them a break. Uh, But uh, going from that, it is kind of the end of the episode now where everything kind of calms down the the bob hope show has ended and it's switched to I didn't understand this broadcast at all. It was like a soul broadcast, but the woman on the radio was like, go home, you American buffoons. <laughs> Everyone, your wives are cheating on you. It was like, what is this?
1: This is insane. It was, so, it was so funny when she was saying like, all of your wives and girlfriends are being unfaithful. And Father Mulcahy he was so bothered. He's like, no, no, don't listen to her. That's not true. I thought
0: that, that was so sweet. <laughs> And then, like, uh, Henry's trying to think of who could cheat on his wife. Like, who does he know who, like, possibly could? And it was so bizarre. Like, this whole thing was a weird way to round out the episode.
1: No, no. So, you're- I don't know if this is what you mean, but Henry was, like, speculating about, like, who his wife would cheat with. And- Meanwhile, his wife like fully admitted that she like actually cheated on him. So like I don't right. know why he was speculating about this.
0: <laughs> it's just on his mind, I guess. Like he yeah, you, I you guess get cheated so. on one to get cheated on many more times. That's true, that's true. Um, and then Radar, I guess, not wanting to hear this uh rather demeaning radio program for our, <laughs> our boys in the military, he switches to reading like a letter from his mom, which is so throwaway but i thought it was really <laughs> cute and like a like an actual fun way to kind of close out the drama of the episode by going to yeah. just something totally light and something totally like inconsequential and then more bombing happens but you know what what <laughs> can you do
1: yeah i liked how that um like the more lighthearted stuff rounded out the episode but then it also ended the same place that it began with the window getting blown out of the operating room. And I thought that that was just a very like poignant, very pointed end to the episode. Yeah. So I liked how it all rounded out at the end.
0: Yeah. And I like how there isn't a real resolution. You don't get a call from the guy Radar was talking to being like, okay, shelling's over. No, shelling continues, but the episode ends and we kind of move on to the next day where, you know, Frank is trying to avoid Margaret yet again, but, like, you don't get in a proper, like... And then shelling stopped, and everything was okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I thought that that was kind of, like, the point of having having the episode end where it began, of just, like, they have no idea when this is going to end. So, like, you know, just leaving the audience with this, like, it could go on for the next, like, five minutes, it could go on for another five hours, it could go on for another five days. Like, I really... I thought that that was just a really well-done thing.
0: The drama of this episode is pretty <laughs> on point, like we keep saying. Yes, but, absolutely. So going from that, do you have any favorite lines from this episode? So this
1: wasn't a super line-heavy episode, but I do have a couple. <laughs> so when Henry gets you know blown up in the latrine radar runs in and he says it's colonel blake he's in latrine and
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) i'll take that again (laughs) i love when you just have laughing fits trying to explain these lines
1: (laughs) it was so funny (laughs) so when henry gets blown up in the latrine radar runs in and he goes it's colonel blake he's in the latrine and hawkeye says hooray for regularity (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> there's that another one. hemorrhoid joke in this one
1: they are obsessed yes. with
0: hemorrhoids
1: <laughs> oh my god and we didn't talk I didn't talk about this either too this, sorry this is completely derailing our lines but I did want to mention that um, when Trapper said that line about hemorrhoids He said, oh, it's an old football injury. And that is like a throwback to the movie and the book where Trapper's character played football in, like, you know, the big football scene. And I was like, oh, that's so cool.
0: Continuity, baby. It's all in one universe. We love
1: it. We love it. (laughs) So one other line that I really liked. um, Well, actually, I'll, I'll do two. They're both Margaret lines. Also, when her and Trapper were stuck in the tent, and she starts crying, and she says, I'm so embarrassed, and he asks, why? And she says, I outrank you. And while that wasn't, like, super comedic, I just thought it was, like, very Margaret. Like, she would be upset and embarrassed about that. I really liked that. And then also, afterwards, when she and Frank are arguing in her tent, (laughs) he says to her something along the lines of, oh, like how could you even wash your hair at a time like this? And she goes, if I'm going out, I'm going out with a clean scalp. And I'm
0: like, good for you, girl. You stole my wine. That was my favorite sorry, wine from sorry. the episode. <laughs> um, this was not a very wine-heavy episode, and I've already mentioned the amazing delivery of Girl Scouts from Father Mulcahy. That was my <laughs> other big wine. But I do have to also mention that Hawkeye says, in response to bombing, Keep calm, everybody. It can only go on forever. Good line. Good military commentary there. And
1: boy, is he right.
0: (laughs) So. Do you have any trivia for us in this episode?
1: I do. So I have always been interested in like the USO shows and of course like you know I know Bob Hope did all the performances for the troops and stuff so I decided to research that a little bit. So Bob Hope was known for entertaining troops both home and abroad like I said. Hope performed his first show on the radio for servicemen in 1941 during World War II at a US Air Force base in Riverside California. And then ever since that first performance, then he went on to entertain troops for over 50 years during several different wars, including World oh War II. God. Like I said, yeah, I'll get to it. But Bob Hope stopped performing for the troops and stuff uh before we were born. So I always knew about this, but only in the context of like old stuff. So I had, it had never been part of like any kind of traditions for me. So anyway, I'll get back to it. So he, Performed for troops during World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Lebanon Civil War, the Iran-Iraq War, and the Persian Gulf War.
0: Wow. That's that's amazing. I know that this show kind of like, you know, mocks the USO shows as kind of being ineffective and, you know, occasionally getting in the way like this episode. But mm-hmm. they do have like a really important place in like real world context and just hearing that Bob Hope was so dedicated to that, is like genuinely really cool to learn. Yeah.
1: So, and then also like, On top of that, too, like most of the time, Hope insisted on traveling to the front lines and like kind of like putting himself in danger in order to perform and entertain the troops. So like he was really dedicated and committed to it. Mm -hmm. Hope began his iconic Christmas shows in December of 1948 in Berlin, where he performed for troops that were participating in the Berlin airlift. And his Christmas performances uh, during the Vietnam War really solidified the show as a holiday tradition. So like I said, this was, you know, (laughs) much before my time, but a lot of people like knew Bob Hope's Christmas specials as like a Christmas thing that he did every year which I felt was kind of wild that we were at war so much during this period in the 20th century, even though his performances were, you know, for troops at home sometimes. Like, his performances during wartime became so often that they were a tradition at Christmas. Like, that's kind of insane.
0: That is, that's kind of sad, but, you know, (laughs) yeah, I admired the dedication.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Hope's last USO show was in 1990 when he visited soldiers participating in Operation Desert Shield in Bahrain, and saudi arabia so like i said before our time but still i thought was very interesting
0: that is absolutely crazy i've never really thought about the mechanics of yozo shows and obviously bob hope is not the only one to do it but Mm -hmm. that's just super cool i don't even know what to say
1: (laughs) Yeah and he had like a lot of like famous people on his shows too like when he was performing them for the troops you know and like the the televised ones for christmas and stuff like that like a lot of famous people came on while he was still doing them so i thought that that was just like a really awesome thing
0: yeah and that's a pretty unique trivia for us i think we don't tend to yeah. cover that kind of granular us experience like that keep that coming i, I appreciate that yeah
1: yeah absolutely absolutely I also just want to mention some um awards that this episode was up for. William Jurgensen received a primetime Emmy Award nomination for cinematography on this episode, and Hi Averback received a Directors Guild Award nomination for this episode. So I am absolutely in good company with the director's guild (laughs) Um, saying that hi Everback did a really great job
0: yeah absolutely deserved he's a he's a director who really sticks out on the show and the cinematography of this episode was really nice i like how the camera shook all the time to accentuate the explosions it's a simple effect but hey it works yeah a hundred percent
1: so ethan okay What was your martini rating for this episode?
0: (laughs) This might sound high, but at the moment, I'm feeling like a five out of five. I have no complaints with this episode, and- like I've been trying to say throughout this episode, is that I really like the drama of this. I like how they handled the drama. I like how this is a sitcom where the characters can die in like any episode under like realistic circumstances. I think that's really unique and like this just demonstrates the uniqueness of mash really well the the intersection of military and medical and how realistically that situation does play out i enjoyed this one and it had a little bit of like fun uh semi-romance with like trapper and margaret it's it's pretty well rounded
1: yeah i gave this one a 4.0 just because the last part of the episode kind of like fell a little bit flat for me um i think that they had kind of used up all of the real like drama of the episode in the first part so the 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 last part after margaret and trapper get out of the tent fell just like a little bit flat to me not that it wasn't good not that i didn't enjoy it it just like felt almost like they didn't know where to go after that a little bit so that's why i gave it a 4.0 but i would also like i would love to like show somebody this episode because i do think it encapsulates a lot of like what mash was trying to do and the beauty of mash and like i said i really like high averback's directing style so i i would stick with a 4.0 but that's not to say that i wouldn't show somebody this episode yeah
0: this is a good uh go on our list of episodes that we would show to people yeah and especially
1: which is like it's dumb of me to give this a 4.0 but like i'm sticking with it But this is such like a standout episode to me because I was like I was waiting for this episode in this season um, because I remember liking it a lot as a kid. So, yeah. So for sure, 4.0, maybe 4.5. But I respect your five.
0: Excellent. Thank you for respecting my <laughs> uh, high opinion of most of these episodes. Yes, one day, of course. One day we'll hit a solid one out of 10 again, and it will be a <laughs> delightful discussion.
1: I, I don't know. I don't think so. But I, I, I wouldn't be mad about it.
0: <laughs> okay. So... Just wrap up. We'd like to give thanks to Jacob for your backup, for from our technical consultant, Vanessa's sister Melissa for awesome cover art, and of course our listeners. Links to our music, social media, and contact for the show are in the description as always. And join us next week for season three, episode sixteen, Bolton Board. But until then, don't get bombed on a latrine. That's a bad way to go out. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. <laughs> Bye, everyone.